Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about polycystic ovarian syndrome. And you can find written notes on this topic as always at zerotofinals.com slash PCOS or in the gynecology section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynecology book. So let's get straight into it. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is shortened to PCOS, is a common condition causing metabolic and reproductive problems in women. There are characteristic features of multiple ovarian cysts, infertility, oligomenorrhea, hyperandrogenism and insulin resistance. There are some essential definitions and long descriptive words that you need to be aware of with polycystic ovarian syndrome so that you know what we're talking about. Anovulation refers to absence of ovulation. Oligoovulation refers to irregular, infrequent ovulation. Amenorrhea refers to the absence of menstrual periods. Oligomenorrhea refers to irregular, infrequent menstrual periods. Androgens are male sex hormones such as testosterone. Hyperandrogenism refers to the effects of high levels of androgens. Hirsutism refers to the growth of thick, dark hair, often in a male pattern, for example, male pattern facial hair. And insulin resistance refers to a lack of response to the hormone insulin, often resulting in high blood sugar levels and high insulin levels. It's important to be aware of the Rotterdam criteria. And the Rotterdam criteria are used for making a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. A diagnosis requires at least two of the three key features. And these are oligoovulation or anovulation, presenting with irregular or absent menstrual periods, essentially a lack of ovulation. Hyperandrogenism, which is characterized by hirsutism and acne, suggestive of high levels of androgens and polycystic ovaries on the ultrasound scan, or an ovarian volume above 10 centimeters cubed. And these are the three key features, oligoovulation or anovulation, hyperandrogenism, and polycystic ovaries on an ultrasound. A Tom tip for you, if you're going to remember one thing about polycystic ovarian syndrome, remember the triad of anovulation, hyperandrogenism, and polycystic ovaries on ultrasound. The Rotterdam criteria are commonly tested in MCQs and asked by examiners in OSCEs. It's important to remember that only having one of these three features does not meet the criteria for a diagnosis. As many as 20% of reproductive age women have multiple small cysts in their ovaries. Unless they also have anovulation or hyperandrogenism, they do not have a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Let's talk about the presentation. Women with polycystic ovarian syndrome present with some key features. And these are oligomenorrhea or amenorrhea, meaning infrequent or absent periods. Infertility as a result of a lack of ovulation. Obesity, which is present in about 70% of patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Hirsutism. Acne and hair loss in a male pattern. And these last three are due to the high levels of androgens. There are some other features and complications. 
In addition to the presenting features, women may also experience insulin resistance and diabetes. Acanthosis nigricans, which describes thickened, rough skin typically found in the axilla or the armpit or on the elbows, and it has a velvety texture and occurs with insulin resistance. Cardiovascular disease, hypercholesterolemia or high levels of cholesterol, an increased risk of endometrial hyperplasia and endometrial cancer, obstructive sleep apnea, usually associated with the obesity, depression and anxiety, and sexual problems. Next, let's talk about the differential diagnosis of hirsutism. An important feature of polycystic ovarian syndrome is hirsutism. And this can also be caused by medications such as phenytoin, cyclosporin, corticosteroids, testosterone and anabolic steroids, ovarian or adrenal tumours that secrete androgens, Cushing syndrome and congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Let's talk in more detail about insulin resistance. An insulin resistance is a crucial part of polycystic ovarian syndrome. When someone has a high resistance to insulin, their pancreas has to produce more insulin to get the same response from the cells of the body. Insulin promotes the release of androgens from the ovaries and the adrenal glands. Therefore, higher levels of insulin result in higher levels of androgens, such as testosterone. Estrogen also suppresses sex hormone binding globulin, or SHBG, which is produced by the liver. Sex hormone binding globulin normally binds to androgens and suppresses their function. Having reduced sex hormone binding globulin due to the effects of insulin promotes further hyperandrogenism in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. The high insulin levels contribute to halting the development of follicles in the ovaries and this leads to anovulation and multiple partly developed follicles which are seen as polycystic ovaries on the ultrasound scan. Diet, exercise and weight loss help to reduce the insulin resistance. Let's talk about investigations. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries recommend the following blood tests to diagnose polycystic ovarian syndrome and exclude other pathology that may have a similar presentation. They recommend testosterone, sex hormone binding globulin, luteinizing hormone or LH, follicle stimulating hormone or FSH, prolactin which may be mildly elevated in polycystic ovarian syndrome and finally thyroid stimulating hormone. In polycystic ovarian syndrome the hormonal blood tests typically show a raised luteinizing hormone, a raised LH to FSH ratio meaning high LH compared with the FSH, raised testosterone, raised insulin and normal or raised estrogen levels. A Tom tip for you, the key thing to remember for your exams is the raised LH and the raised LH to FSH ratio. A pelvic ultrasound is required when you suspect polycystic ovarian syndrome. A transvaginal ultrasound scan is the gold standard for visualising the ovaries. The follicles may appear around the periphery of the ovaries, giving something called a string of pearls appearance. The diagnostic criteria are either 
12 or more developing follicles in one ovary or an ovarian volume of more than 10 centimeters cubed. Pelvic ultrasound is not reliable in adolescence for diagnosing polycystic ovarian syndrome. Another Tom tip for you, it's worth remembering the string of pearls appearance for your exams, as it may come up in MCQs. It's also worth remembering that an ovarian volume of more than 10 centimeters cubed can indicate polycystic ovarian syndrome, even without the presence of multiple cysts. Finally, in investigations, the screening test of choice for diabetes in patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome is a two-hour, 75-gram oral glucose tolerance test, or OGTT. An OGTT is performed in the morning prior to having breakfast, and it involves taking a baseline fasting plasma glucose, giving a 75-gram glucose drink, and then measuring the plasma glucose two hours later. This tests the ability of the body to cope with a carbohydrate meal. When you're interpreting the results, an impaired fasting glucose is when the fasting glucose is between 6.1 and 6.9 millimoles per litre. And this is the glucose before taking the glucose drink. Impaired glucose tolerance is when the plasma glucose at two hours after the glucose drink is 7.8 to 11.1 millimoles per litre. And the patient can be diagnosed with diabetes if the plasma glucose at two hours after the glucose drink is above 11.1 millimoles per litre. So let's talk about the general management of polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is crucial to reduce the risks associated with obesity, type 2 diabetes, hypercholesterolemia and cardiovascular disease. And these risks can be reduced by weight loss, a low glycemic index calorie controlled diet, exercise, smoking cessation, antihypertensive medications if the patient has a raised blood pressure and statins where these are indicated if the Q-risk score is above 10%. Patients should be assessed and managed for associated features and complications, such as endometrial hyperplasia and endometrial cancer, infertility, hirsutism, acne, obstructive sleep apnea, and depression and anxiety. And these are all separate issues that need to be separately addressed. Weight loss is a significant part of the management of polycystic ovarian syndrome. Weight loss alone can result in ovulation and restore fertility and regular menstruation. It can improve insulin resistance, reduce hirsutism and reduce the risks of the associated conditions. Let's talk about managing the risk of endometrial cancer. Women with polycystic ovarian syndrome have several risk factors for endometrial cancer. And these are obesity, diabetes, insulin resistance and amenorrhea. Under normal circumstances, the corpus luteum in the ovary releases progesterone. The corpus luteum is only found after ovulation. Women with polycystic ovarian syndrome do not ovulate or they ovulate infrequently and therefore they do not produce sufficient progesterone. Consequently, the endometrial lining continues to proliferate under the influence of estrogen without regular shedding during menstruation. 
And this is similar to giving unopposed estrogen to women on hormone replacement therapy. And it results in endometrial hyperplasia and a significant risk of endometrial cancer. Women who have extended gaps between periods for more than three months or abnormal bleeding need to be investigated with a pelvic ultrasound to assess the endometrial thickness. Cyclical progestogens can be used to induce a period prior to the ultrasound scan. If the endometrial thickness is more than 10 millimeters, they need to be referred for a biopsy to exclude endometrial hyperplasia or endometrial cancer. The options for reducing the risk of endometrial hyperplasia and endometrial cancer are the Mirena coil, which gives continuous endometrial protection, or by inducing a withdrawal bleed at least every three to four months with either cyclical progestogens, such as medroxyprogesterone acetate, 10 milligrams once a day for 14 days, followed by a withdrawal bleed, or by using the combined oral contraceptive pill. Often the most simple method is to use the combined oral contraceptive pill to have regular withdrawal bleeds. Let's talk about managing infertility in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Weight loss is the initial step for improving fertility and weight loss alone can restore regular ovulation. A specialist may initiate other options where weight loss fails and these include using clomiphene to stimulate ovulation, laparoscopic ovarian drilling and in vitro fertilization or IVF. Metformin and letrozole may also help to restore ovulation under the guidance of a specialist. However, the evidence to support their use is not clear. A procedure called ovarian drilling involves laparoscopic surgery during which the surgeon punctures multiple holes in the ovaries using diathermy or laser therapy. Ovarian drilling can improve the woman's hormonal profile and result in regular ovulation and fertility. Women with polycystic ovarian syndrome that become pregnant require screening for gestational diabetes and screening involves using an oral glucose tolerance test performed before pregnancy and at 24 to 28 weeks gestation. Next let's talk about managing hirsutism in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome and remember that hirsutism refers to the growth of thick dark hairs often in a male pattern, for example male pattern facial hair. The first step is weight loss which may improve the symptoms of hirsutism. Women are likely to have already explored options by the time they present to a doctor such as waxing, shaving and plucking the hairs. Cocyprindiol, with a trade name Dianet, is a combined oral contraceptive pill that's licensed for treatment of hirsutism and acne. It has anti-androgenic effects and works as a contraception and will also regulate periods. The downside to cocyprindiol is a significantly increased risk of venous thromboembolism. And for this reason, cosiprindiol is usually stopped after three months of use. Another treatment is topical eflornithine, which can be used to treat facial hirsutism. It usually takes six to eight weeks of use to see a significant improvement. And the hirsutism will usually return within two months of stopping the eflornithine. Other options that may be considered by a specialist who has experience in treating hirsutism include electrolysis, laser hair removal, 
Spironolactone, which is a mineralocorticoid antagonist which has antiandrogenic effects. Finasteride, which is a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor that decreases testosterone production. Flutamide, which is a non-steroidal antiandrogen. And ciproterone acetate, which is a progestin with antiandrogenic effects. Finally, let's talk about the management of acne in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. The combined oral contraceptive pill is first line for acne in polycystic ovarian syndrome. Cocyprindiol may be the best option as it has antiandrogenic effects. However, there is a significantly increased risk of venous thromboembolism. Other standard treatments for acne include topical adapalene, which is a retinoid, Topical antibiotics such as clindamycin 1%, which is usually combined with benzyl peroxide 5%. Topical azelaic acid 20% cream. Or oral tetracycline antibiotics, for example, limacycline. So thanks for listening to this episode on polycystic ovarian syndrome. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. And I hope you join me for the next episode where we'll talk about ovarian cysts.